Welcome to episode 72. Not a special number. It's not, no. Of Offbeat Tracks, but it is a special podcast. 1972 was um, Watergate. Oh, okay. Well, we can call this the Watergate edition of Offbeat a, Tracks. If we don't have a special number, I'll find any number that can connect it to Nixon. That's right. If there's a Nixon connection, Danielle <laughs> will find why it. why I'm here. So this, um, this topic was actually your idea, Danielle. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it was on my short list. Uh, we're talking about Scottish group Strawberry Switchblade this week. Yes. Um, and I said it was on my short list because I knew somebody who I knew would have a lot to say about Strawberry Switchblade. Yes. So we have a guest with us today. We do. It's my girlfriend, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Hello, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, the only reason I suggested this is came on my Spotify Discover Weekly. Never heard of them, ever. And most of the time, most of the things that come in my Discover Weekly are like, you are an Italian gay man, is pretty much, <laughs> which is... Half of Not, the time, yeah, I was gonna correct. say very accurate, actually. I mean, it is, but I don't need to hear everything that an Italian gay man loves. Uh, Do but, Italian gay men love strawberry switchblade? Uh, no. Well, I don't know. This just came more like in. Japanese. Yeah, gay that's men. what I was gonna say. Japanese yeah, gay men. <laughs> yeah, it's not really my thing, but yeah, I heard it. and I was like, I like this. What is this? I, yeah. So, strawberry switchblade is relatively new to you, then? Super new, like okay. within probably like I think it was the week I suggested it to you was when I heard of them. They're they're one of these groups that I discovered in college thanks to college radio and meeting other people who like 80s music, so... They're like the original scene girls. (laughs) (laughs) They kind of are, though. That's actually a really good way to put it. All right, so let's let's talk about the genesis of this group, as it were. Their names are Rose McDowell and Jill Bryson. Um, They're from Glasgow, Scotland, as we mentioned. Um... And they were both artists. Like you, like you said, Kyle, they were kind of scene girls. They hung out in the Glasgow music scene, which was, they had a really burgeoning punk scene in, in Glasgow in uh, the late 1970s. And uh, Jill was actually uh, enrolled in the Glasgow School of Art. So she was like an actual art student. I mean, that's how it started. I mean, it was supposed to be like a statement against um, commercialism. So <laughs> that's what Strawberry Switch really was. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Rose was in a band before Jill was, um, it was called, they were called the poems. And I read that she was the drummer in the group and that she played standing up, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is pretty cool because I think the only other standing up drummer we've ever had is, uh, Jade from book of love. Yeah. (laughs) Technically she played standing up. Hmm. Maybe it's an art school thing. They were all art school kids. Yeah. I mean, that was a class that we didn't know of. Um, I didn't know this until uh, reading just this morning, actually, but they got their name from James Kirk, who was the guitarist in uh, Orange Juice. I read that, too. Which Orange Juice, you might know from uh, their song, Rip It Up. They were kind of like new wave one hit wonders. Not Orange Juice Jones. Right. Not, very different. Yes. Very different kind of Orange Juice. Yes. <laughs> also cool. Very cool. But, but very different <laughs> and uh, much blacker and less Scottish. Yes. Uh, no, we're talking Orange Juice, the band that that uh, spurned a second one hit wonder from their lead singer. Do you, do you know this? I don't know who their lead singer is. Edwin yeah. Collins, who had a hit in the 90s with oh, Girl Like God. You. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was his group. But it was James Kirk, who was the guitarist in Orange Juice, that named Strawberry Switchblade. James T. Kirk. That's right. Um, they were originally a four-piece um, when they formed in 1981. Um, and they did a Peel session as a four-piece uh, with Mr. Kirk playing on bass. Um, and it was around this time they released their debut single, which was called Trees and Flowers in July of 1983. Um, this was on uh, Echo and the Bunnymen's label. This was the, yeah, Will, Will from Echo and the Bunnymen ran this label. I guess like all of these art, I guess if you were a Scottish new wave musician, like everybody just knew each other and they were all connected somehow. Just like every emo kid around our age, everyone that they love now, uh, we're all hanging out it's in so, the same it's so, area. It's, it's so true. Yep. I, I mean, that's, uh, I'm, I'm still stunned by how astute your comment was, Kyle, about how they were like the original scene girls, because it's true. It's literally like they just hung out mm-hmm. with punk bands 
and then suddenly they were a group. Mm-hmm. It's like they look like millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, trees and flowers, um, not really my scene at all. Um, I mean, I kind of like that it's about Jill's agoraphobia. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's very a lot. sad. Yeah, it's like a really dark song. I don't really care for the folky kind of sound just in general, but I mean, it's not. It's not a it's it's a deep song. We'll put it that way. Yeah, they were kind of involved like in that neo folk scene though, hanging out with like Death yeah. in June and Current 93, so I could see where like that inspiration would come from maybe. Yeah, it was it's definitely oh, yeah. if, it's of that. It's definitely in a different tone I think than what the stuff that would end up on their their LP um folkier as you said. But yeah, it is it's a very um dark subject matter and it, it it's deceptive almost because you think of a song trees and flowers and then you i can't imagine like seeing trees and flowers like in the new releases bin and then expecting one thing and then plopping it down yeah. and then hearing this <laughs> i don't like the trees or the flowers and it's like oh wait a minute okay this is not what i was expecting <laughs> especially from the energy they give off it's all positive and poppy <laughs> right um but yeah it's it's still um i think i can't think of any other song that's like really about agoraphobia so directly in the way this one is so that's something. Yeah, they did it. So after this single came out, they were signed to Korova Records, which was a division of um, Warner Brothers, I think. And um, this is weird. Like, I read that the label paired them with a backing band and then was like, never mind, and took the backing band away. They were like, never mind, we want you to be a duo. So I'm not sure if they ever, like, played any shows after being signed to the label, like, with whatever band that Warner Brothers was going to assign them anyway. But it probably would have sucked. So (laughs) that's probably probably good that didn't happen. (laughs) Probably um, very true. They got hooked up with a producer named David Motion, which is like the most record producer name ever. Like, if you were, <laughs> if like you were, made it up. Yeah. If you were making a cartoon where there had to be like a record promoter guy, like David Motion would totally be a fake name. <laughs> yes. <you would> call <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I love this quote from uh, Rose about the first record. She said, um, our image was colorful, but our minds were dark. I wrote that quote down to you to talk about, which is... But isn't that such a good like, way to describe them? It is. Like, it's... You know, I love, like, sad, dark sound, songs that sound happy. And this is, like, gonna, an album say, of like, that. I was going to say, like, this is all you. Because yeah. this, is, this is totally all uh-huh. sad songs that sound happy. Yes. Like, that is Strawberry Switch. Not necessarily Switchblade. sad, but, like, just dark, dark and weird. or Not happy songs that sound happy. We'll put it that way. Yes. Perfect. S- since yesterday, I think even is, like, one of the, like, saddest, most, like, cynical really songs is. ever. So, let, yeah, let's talk <laughs> about regret. Since Yesterday, because that is their first single off of this mm-hmm. only album they had. Um, this was a number five hit in the UK. Huge hit. Um, and I agree. I, I think there's almost a childlike quality about about a lot of their music, but especially since yesterday. I read an article where uh, they said it was about nuclear war, which I don't necessarily see, but I mean, it's the 80s, so everything was about nuclear war in Mm -hmm. some way, and I will never get it, but cool. Uh, Yeah, apparently it's about nuclear war, but I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's a dark song that sounds happy, so I'm there for it all the time.
I think that's like one of the one few songs I can say that like I don't like the extended mix though. Like I feel like the intro drags on too much. Like an extended. I feel that version. way about a lot of extended mixes. Yeah, like, extended, get on extended with mixes it. that just copy paste parts of the song <laughs> yeah, and make them longer. Like, yeah, get I don't understand on that. With it's, it. Otherwise, I think like the one that was released as a single is very like it's one of the most satisfying like songs I've ever listened to because it's so well rounded. You know, you can like put it on repeat, and I don't know. It's, it's and what I good. like about it is that like they're they never sound to me like pure pop music. It's so poppy, no. but it's got enough of an edge to where it can be a hit on pop radio <laughs> and pop audiences can like it. But it's got enough of an edge to where it's not quite sounding like everything else which i like a lot if you want to hear a different take on it um david tibet of current 93 does a cover of it and it's in a much different um i think the lyrical content matches with the sound a lot better in his version but is it darker broody it's yeah to be modest to be modest it's dark and broody their second single was called let her go um, this was definitely not as big a hit. They would never hit top 10 ever again. This was a number 59 uh, single. Um, I love this quote from uh, the same interview that I just pulled the last quote from where Rose was talking about this song. Um, she says that she hated the first note of this song with such a vengeance yeah. that she willed it to catch fire in the studio. And I don't know if she like means like literally there was a studio fire or if she's like making a metaphor for well, like, the I song read that turned same article flaming. and she was like talking about all the things in her life that she's willed to catch fire, like she's some sort of voodoo witch, which like I'm assuming she really didn't do that uh, because she would probably be in jail. <laughs> she practiced uh, magic. Yeah, yeah like I feel like it's probably that. like not real, but I kind of just love that idea, though, that passion she has, <laughs> the weirdness of uh, it. As far as the song itself, um, bear with me, but... I really think that with just a little bit more trouble, this could have been a Christmas song. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, okay. The instrumentation at the beginning. like, Yeah. I I like say that about their songs. They have this weird way of like production where they put in a lot of dings. There's another one. I don't know the right term. There's another one I'm going to bring that up about. Uh, it, shortly, but yeah, let her go. It's just one of the two. I'm like, you know, with just a little bit more trouble, this really could have been a Christmas song. Like, it's kind of like the Venga Boys uh, Christmas album, where they just took all of their songs and added jingle <laughs> and bells in the background. Like maybe yeah. that's what they wouldn't they didn't even, even listen to this wouldn't and have even that had idea. to do it. Strawberry Switchblade could have been saved by a Christmas album. Just <laughs> it's they could still do it. <laughs> Highly unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> Their third single, they dropped the significantly more down-tempo Who Knows What Love Is. Um, this did chart, but not well. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think of this I one? I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would... I don't really love, love, love this song. Uh, I mean, it's. I don't think I would ever love it enough to ever purposely listen to it again. But it's a really cute, sweet little lovesick song. Like, it's really cute for what it is. And, I mean, I like it. It's not really all the way there for me. I don't know. I think a lot of their um, songs, like, 
setting aside uh since yesterday just have like this really like weird like avant-garde just like sadness to them and i don't know i think they're like just like really it's it's kind of bizarre that they're a pop uh record because they seem like something that could be on some like weird like um indie music like art fest or whatever i don't know i, I like it a cool. lot yeah i think they're like i don't know i like the song I think there's definitely like a teenage innocence about oh, this yeah. song. The way that they sing about heartbreak is very innocent. And I mean, I, th- I guess they were still relatively young at this time, but they weren't teenagers, but they kind of, they present this song as if they were childlike, yeah. I think. I think that's their whole shtick though, like in their image and everything mm-hmm. else though. Mm-hmm. Their it's, vocals sound yeah. that way too. It's just so mm-hmm, like light mm-hmm, and cute mm-hmm. and breathy. It works a lot better than the folky stuff of the beginning. I think it's perfect. I think that comes to no surprise why they're so big in Japan. Because oh, of, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, because that's how a lot of uh, Japanese pop artists are uh, marketed. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Mine turns to think of you and how I might see you soon. Then I get myself a glass of milk and a color magazine. I So, Kyle, you just mentioned Japan, and this is one of the first of the two singles we're going to talk about that were Japan-only releases. Um, this one is Ecstasy, Apple of My Eye. Again, I gotta say, this sounds like a Christmas song. Dingy. Dingy. Um, <laughs> it's dingy. And this it, is... it also sounds a lot like the Supreme song, You Can't Hurry Love. Exactly, because it's a perfect... This is my favorite of the thing, because it's like that beautiful 80s little, like back to the 60s pop sound yeah and it's and they have the perfect vocals for it and it's just the whole thing i love i love 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 this song so cute it's interesting you say that because i think during the time this um what it came out she was uh hanging out with boyd rice and boyd that's all Mm. he listened to was 60s pop that's like it was his thing was a girl group so i don't know i think that's interesting We've got to talk about their cover of Jolene, uh, which which was a bit more of a chart hit in the UK than the previous couple had been, but still not even top 40. Um, and this barely charted in Japan as well. But um, I think this is a fabulous cover. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you a story since we have one person significant other on here. Um, I'm going to tell you a little <laughs> That's story. You. That's you. Uh, not me. <laughs> um, Fortunately. Well... There is uh, my dumb boyfriend. He's awful. Uh, he hates all the music I listen to. And like, so I'll like show prep with him around and he blocks it out. Like I block it out when he talks about like white privilege and shit. So <laughs> like, <laughs> so. And his refusal to recognize it, just so we're clear about yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. He'll go into it, never mention it. Um, but he, uh, I had this on when I was show prepping and he was silent during all of Strawberry Switchblade until we got to Jolene because of course he knows the regular Jolene and the look on his face looked like I had like one of those little medieval poker torture <laughs> devices and I lit it on fire and I stuck it up his butt and was like disemboweling him. I thought he was going to puke. 
Which means this is my favorite song of all time. Now. Yes. And I will listen to it every day. It's better than the original, I think. I agree. I don't know. It's different thing. The original is the original, but I mean this is this is pretty darn good. It is. And the video is fantastic. I love um the the really careful work with color in the music video. Like she's got this blue rose in her hand and she smacks it in her glove and it like it goes back from black and white to color a few times. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Just uh yeah, great, great job with this. This is the second uh, single that was Japan only that we're going to talk about. It's called I Can Feel. And uh, this was the last proper single Strawberry Switchblade uh, would release. Sort of, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, but this, yeah, this is um, actually, I think, sounds pretty different than the ones we've talked about thus far. This is like a high energy song. Yes, it does. But I, lo- I love the lyrics in this because this is like, I think, the deepest they get. Because in a way, I can't tell. It's so dark song that sounds happy that I can't actually tell the lyrics if it's happy or sad. <laughs> like, it goes back and forth. And I, I, I don't know. I think that that's, like, symbolic of life. Like, the line, like, we live to die at the end. Like, come on. Like, inject it into my veins. Like, it's everything I love. It, it's, it's That's very Japanese mono yeah. <laughs> The pathos of things. I know nothing sadness. about the Japanese, so maybe I should actually be one. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, this is one you asked me to throw on the list, finally. Um, this was an album cut, not a single, but it's called Go Away. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite song by them. It reminds me of uh, the Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence soundtrack by Ruichi Sakamoto. <laughs> Just like those dings that kind of like dings. evaporate. More you know? Christmas. Dingy ding. It's, I don't know. It's, it's very patient, and I think it evolves. So I think it's like, it's really difficult to say about a lot of ours, but I think it's very well paced, and you know that's really important. I, a lot of people I think it sounds that. different. It's, it's very lot, different. It sounds a lot darker to start with, but it builds and it builds. Mm-hmm. And like the way the vocals come toward the end, I think it's gorgeous. I just think this song has it all. It's got this amazing production and these these beautiful lyrics, which um, I don't know what your all's interpretation of the lyrics were. But did you kind of get the impression that it might be about somebody who died? Oh. Because I think on the surface, it was sort of like it's somebody that someone broke up with her. Right. And she's saying, I yeah. can't stand missing you. I, you know, I don't I, I, I can't handle the feeling of missing you so go away go away but i think like it could be like a goodbye horses kind of thing where yeah the person is actually dead and so she's like angry about their having died i could see that too i, don't I know, never listened just... to it from that angle but yeah <laughs> that, that's it's intense uh, yeah Since it was such a nice day i remember walking with you to the not knowing what you had in Oh, 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 
So the group split up in 1986. Um, they were not getting along. Both Rose and Jill will admit that separately. Um, and uh, I think that they both sort of seemed to feel like it was more of a business partnership than it was something creative at, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the record industry was different at that time, too. And I, I think that record labels were still like actually cultivating artists at that time in a way that they don't now. So even if like they were buddies, suddenly they had this record deal and it was like, oh, well, now you're a commodity and you have to do this. And and they're going to mold you and shape you in a way that you're not going to get shaping yourself on the scene. Right. Yeah. That doesn't always work out well. So let's talk about what they've both been doing since Strawberry Switchblade. Um, we'll start with Jill since uh, her list is shorter for her. <laughs> um, she <laughs> still a, she yeah, still does visual yeah. art. Yeah, she's she's kept a pretty low profile. She lives in London. Um, remarked in an interview that I found with her that, that was from about a year ago that she is thinking about moving back to Glasgow, though, because I think she misses it. Um, and I love this. I think this is super cool. She got to do an art installation last year at the Glasgow School of Art where she should have finished her degree, but didn't because she left to go join Strawberry Switchblade. So that that's pretty cool. Like, I, that made me feel good. It was like a, a homecoming for her, like 35 yeah. years later, right? I thought that was cool. That is sweet. So Rose, Miss Rose. Oh, Rose. We have a whole list of things to talk about with Miss Rose. <laughs> <sighs> what a character. Um, so Rose has been, I'm going to admit some of these artists we've already mentioned, but yeah, she's worked with Coil, Current 93, Death in June, uh, Nurse with Wound, and Psychic TV. These are just some of the groups she's worked with. Um, Jesus and Mary Chain, she's also buddies with them. Um, Spell non. <laughs> yes. Um, Wood Rice and Friends. <laughs> She did release a solo album, which is on Spotify, by the way. It is called Cut With The Cake Knife. It was released in 1989. Um, and she does a cover of Don't Fear The Reaper on it. Which, which is, is fabulous. I, yeah. I read that that existed. I it did is, not listen to it. It is a great cover. It. It it's on so Spotify good. if you want to do it. Um, she also, as you just mentioned, Kyle, she recorded an album of covers with Boyd Rice uh, under mm-hmm. the name Sorrow. Um, no, it was it, Seasons of the Sun, I think the LP's called. I'm sorry, Spell. Yeah, Spell, Spell. is the band. Yes. Uh, Sorrow was the group that she did with her Mm -hmm. ex-husband, whose name is escaping me. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to I know I know you're going to know what this is, Kyle, but I want to ask you, Danielle. Did Mm. Danielle, did you read it all about (laughs) the Temple of Psychic Youth or the Temple of Psychic Youth? Uh, I think I would have. I doubt that because I think I would have remembered it. Okay, so uh, (laughs) one of the groups I just mentioned that she was buddies with and had worked with was Psychic TV. Um, the the front person, I guess, of Psychic Genesis. TV is is this person named Genesis P. Orridge, who um, <laughs> I, I was kind of Kyle and I were talking about Genesis P. Orridge in the car, and I was like, is Genesis non-binary? Like, and uh, they're they're like, I think they're like proto non-binary because I mean they turn or they coined the term uh, pandrogyny before I think like I don't know what any of these words mean. <laughs> I well, love- just like. Uh, not identifying. I was good on binary. <laughs> right. like, I've got that. <laughs> well, they, I just wanted to bring up the term yeah. pandrogyny because I think it's so it's wonderful. It's a cool <laughs> term. It's a, it's a really great term. Okay. Um, so the Temple of Psychic Youth, I guess, is this like collective that the people, the group Psychic TV came up with and then they let some of their little musicians buddies into it. But I love this because this is, it, they actually have a Wikipedia page. And this is exactly how it's described. I, this almost made me fell out of my bed laughing when I read this. Uh, I do show prep in bed, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have before. The, the Temple of Psychic Youth, a loosely federated group of people operating as a blend of artistic collective and practitioners of magic and shoe repair. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like Monty Python. <laughs> That's very gin. <laughs> 
I just love that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means, um, but go for it. But I guess Rose said that Genesis was trying to get her into this collective and that she just kind of didn't want to be part of it. And she said, this was her quote. She said, he was always trying to get me to go to the nursery, which is where they had the <laughs> dentist chair. Never explains why they had a dentist chair. But I'm not a psychic youth. I'm not a sheep or a follower. I might practice spells, but I won't be part of a coven or anybody's thing. I don't join groups. <laughs> Except for Strawberry Switchblade. Except for Strawberry Switchblade, which is exactly the same thing I thought. <laughs> which is probably why they only last in one album. Rose just strikes me as like, she just kind of wants to do her own thing, and she probably does not get along And she wants well to explain it in the weirdest way possible. I'm here for it. Yeah. That's good. Um, I think she's just above us all in her genius. <laughs> <laughs> I... I um, I, I think that it's a it, that made me feel like Strawberry Switchblade was even more special than I already thought they were, though, because of Rose's clear like disinterest in partnering or working with others as a group. Yeah. So the fact that Strawberry Switchblade even existed, like having read that to me, is pretty miraculous. It's a pretty big fluke to me. Yeah, I mean that's cool. Um, going back to Spell, I think it's interesting. Uh, Boyd Rice recently posted a picture at like a Jesus Mary Chain show. And she said she recently found all these uh, unlabeled spell tapes and she has no idea what's on them or whatever. <laughs> and she doesn't have a tape deck, so she can't see. So there might be some new material. I have from- extra tape decks. We need to send <laughs> we need to send her a tape deck. We want to find out what's on them. Yeah, she might have some new old material. <laughs> um, she did also sing with the Jesus on Mary Chain on their most recent tour, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, the one that they're doing now? The one that was just here? I think so. Um, but I think this was like for dates in the UK. Yeah, oh, they recently got okay. off a British. I think they only did one more date before the one we saw them um, a few weeks ago and in you, the US. You were just telling me, Kyle, that she wanted to tour here. Like, a, yeah, the last couple she years. like couldn't get a visa, so she had this huge tour planned uh, for the US. And my friend was actually going to go and get a spell test press signed by her, but uh, yeah, she couldn't get like a visa here, so she didn't. Which I I think that might be something to do with Trump because when I was in Japan, a lot of like the musicians I saw said they had trouble having you know going on tour in the United States. It's really difficult to get uh, you know passport or visa or whatever. Um, I I love this too because I think this is just the most Rose McDowell thing that ever Rose McDowelled. Um, I don't know. We've had a lot of those. She mentioned that she had to leave the city of London. She moved away because uh, there was someone stalking her. I read this. <laughs> Um, and so she moved to the countryside, but her initial plan to get rid of her stalker, there was apparently a woman who was stalking Lawrence from the group yeah. Felton Denim. <laughs> yeah. So they just hooked their stalkers up with each other to try <laughs> to get them to leave each other alone. <laughs> she said it didn't work because then the woman just started coming around her and being like, leave Lawrence alone. So now the woman was stalking her. <laughs> yeah, I had to read it's that a few of, times. I was like, oh. it just, it's like it's like in a, like a crappy like old Looney Tunes cartoon where there's like a beehive in the house, so you light it on fire, <laughs> and then you have to go put water on the fire. So. <laughs> yes, yeah, So then she's just like, I'm moving to Oxfordshire. So, um, I mentioned that I can feel was the last single Strawberry Switchblade released. Sort of. There was one after that. Did you know about this? Mm-mm. I was really hoping I was going to get to tell you something you didn't know about Strawberry Switchblade. Sweet. <laughs> so I mentioned way at the beginning of the show that uh, they were a four piece when they started and they recorded a demo. Um, it actually got pressed and released on a seven inch single this year back in January or February. I didn't know that. Um, and the song was called Spanish something or other. But the B side of it was Go Away. 
Huh. And it's on a seven inch single. So you don't have a copy of this? No, I'm going to have to work. I, I still oh. need to buy the die cut. <laughs> now you do. <laughs> oh my God. Look at that. This is so special. Thank you, Max. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, it's got a cute little booklet in there too. Um, that, uh, But yeah, I, it's so funny. I didn't even pay attention. Like when I, I literally found this a few days ago and I messaged the guy and I'm like, I need you to priority mail this to me right now. <laughs> um, so... I didn't even pay attention that your favorite song was the B-side, so I thought that was hilarious that it, oh, it totally yeah. worked out that way. Um, but yeah, they, they pressed it on this wonderful limited edition 7-inch uh, single. There are a few different versions of it in a few different colors, but it's got this great little um, booklet on the inside with all these cool pictures of them. and like. But it's like the only official sanctioned recording of the, the four-piece version of Strawberry Switchblade. I'll have um, to brag about this to Brian. <laughs> 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 um so yeah I, any final thoughts on on strawberry switchblade as a whole dark uh, happy music dark happy music yeah. therefore it thumbs up two of them i think they're <laughs> just like symbolically the 80s <laughs> <laughs> the japanese 80s for sure japanese 80s. Yeah. um yeah I, I think we're really on to something with the christmas album though the more i think about it like i bet we could get rose and jill on board to get back together and do a Christmas album. Rose is either gonna love that or completely hate that. I feel like I, I bet Rose really ironically like loves Christmas. I think Rose would be into it. I think Jill would be into it, but I don't think R- Rose and Jill would be into it together. <laughs> you get them to record separately, exactly, and then we'll just fuse their. We'll, we'll handle. We'll take it from there. Oh my god, yeah, ladies, just record <laughs> each of your favorite Christmas songs separately. And let us handle the mixing. I yeah, actually, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I actually wanted to get um. I have a Japanese pressing of the LP, and I wanted to get it signed by both of them. And I was thinking I probably should get it signed by Jill first, because I don't think Jill would sign it if she saw Rose's signature on it. <laughs> I get Rose so to agree to it. So delicate with these two. Yeah. So delicate. Fragile, indeed. <laughs> well, um, tweet us and uh, tweet Strawberry Switchblade as well. And, uh, you know, well, tweet them individually, since I'm quite certain there's no collective Strawberry Switchblade Twitter account. And uh, tell them to record a Christmas album. And also tell us what you would like us to cover on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at uh, Offbeat Tracks. We're reversing it again. Yes. And we are also on the general internet in your browser at OffbeatTracksCast.com. Yeah, we'll be back Look next week with uh, some more jams for you. So yeah. until then, I'm Max. I'm Danielle. Thanks for being here, Kyle. Thank you. See ya. See ya.